Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Happy Wednesday, middle of the week. Hope it's going well for you so far, moving quickly, wrapping up the month of October. Coming up in the program today, we are going to learn all about a wonderful ministry that is going to be encouraging Catholics around the country and the world to join in via the Rosary with the Holy Father and his call for a second day of prayer for peace, which will take place actually this Friday on October 27th. There's all kinds of information on this online, not only at the rosaryteam.org, but also at our various news agencies, including Catholic News Agency and The Register. It's a beautiful story of how a woman saw a need when she was working as a practicing hospice nurse that people needed prayer, and so she started this rosary effort in honor of her mother who raised her and her family, her siblings, on the rosary every single day. So it's a beautiful story. We'll talk with Teresa Rodriguez, and she's a founder and president of the rosary team. And then we will head back to Rome to speak with our very own Joan Lewis, as in Joan's Rome, and she'll give us an update not only on the audience today with the Holy Father and more on his call for prayers for peace but also on the latest regarding the Synod. The story with Israel and Hamas has really taken gone front and center, and so sometimes the Synod has been pushed aside a little bit, especially on the national scene in terms of news. But Joan will keep us up to date, and bring us up to date, I should say, on what's happening right now. So we'll get all the news to you, too, as well, in just a few minutes, as soon as we give you the forecast from the National Weather Service. Again, heavy snow from the Pacific Northwest into the Northern Plains, and then you've got excessive rainfall, the National Weather Service says, for the southern part of the country in certain areas. So here's what they're calling for, an early season high impact snow event already underway across portions of the Pacific Northwest through the Northern Plains. We'll have a news story on this, by the way, in just a few minutes. Excessive rainfall due to showers and thunderstorms will affect areas of the Southern Plains. Hazardous traveling conditions can be expected across these regions, so keep that in mind. And for southeastern Florida and northern coastal regions of Puerto Rico, there's a high risk of some rip currents, which are still occurring. So those are some of the weather conditions that we need to keep in mind. Hard to believe we're talking about snow in October, but that is the case, as we mentioned, in parts of the country, and we'll keep you posted. Looking forward to chatting with our guest, Teresa Rodriguez, on the Rosary Team, and then also Joan Lewis. There's some really... I think eye-opening stories about not just obviously things that are being discussed at the Senate, but the impact that this grind is having on the participants. There was a story on the register, I think it was yesterday, where they were talking about one thing everybody agrees on is that they're very tired. I was mentioning this in the first hour of my program with my uh, local listeners in Michigan, Ohio. You can only imagine if you've been, let's say you're at a conference, right? You're attending a convention for work. And at first, you're all excited and you're all eager and you go in. But if you're in talks all day long, and not only if you're listening, which is often a case of too much information, but if you're discussing, that can also be very draining. So there's a lot that goes into these meetings. And I know there's a lot of concern about confusion and whatnot. But overall, the people uh, that we know that we've discussed with, they're working really hard. And everybody's tired. But it'll wrap up in a couple of days and then we'll have more on what's happening with the Senate. But always remember, this is not a legislative body. This is not a teaching body. 
This is about discussion. And regardless when anybody says the church teachings, truth does not change. People may try to apply it differently and say, oh no, this is what we're doing now, but they're only fooling themselves. They're not fooling God. They're not fooling the church because the truth is the truth. And as John Paul II again said, truth does not change. We can learn more about a truth. For example, we've learned so much more in the last 50 years, right, about the development of the baby in the womb. But the truth is, it's still a baby. It's still a human being. That does not change. So you learn more about a truth, but that truth doesn't change. So we'll talk about that with Joan Lewis, and that's coming up, as I mentioned, at 39 minutes past the hour. Right now, already almost five minutes past the hour, and never a dull moment. Tons of news to get through, so let's start right now on a Wednesday, October 25th. Holy Father renewing his appeal to release Israeli hostages and to let humanitarian aid reach Gaza. Pope Francis making the latest appeal for the Holy Land, which came at his general audience today in St. Peter's Square as he addressed Italian-speaking pilgrims. The Holy Father saying he continues to pray for those who suffer and to hope for paths of peace in the Middle East, in the tormented Ukraine, and in other regions wounded by war. Meanwhile, in a pastoral letter released yesterday, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, Parabatista Pizzabella, speaking to the Catholic faithful of his diocese about the difficult and painful period they are enduring, he said people are inundated, especially in the Middle East, with images of horrors and have made pain, frustration, and anger explode within us. As Lisa Zangarini with the Vatican reports, Pizzabella expressing his gratitude for the Pope's initiative and the prayers of the people around the world. And along with the Holy Father is inviting everyone to renew their prayers for peace coming up this Friday for a second day of prayer for peace. The message once again condemns in unequivocal terms Hamas attack on Israel. My conscience and moral duty require me to state clearly that what happened on October the 7th in southern Israel is in no way permissible and we cannot but condemn it, the Patriarch said. At the same time, with equal clarity, the head of the Latin Church in Jerusalem condemns the indiscriminate violence against civilians in the Gaza Strip. Cardinal Pizzaballa continues the letter by remarking that it is only by ending decades of occupation and its tragic consequences as well as giving a clear and secure national perspective to the Palestinian people that a serious peace process can begin. Unless this problem is solved at its roots, he stresses, there will never be the stability we all hope for. The Patriarch of Jerusalem therefore urges a more serious commitment in this regard from religious and political leaders, civil society and the international community. This, he says, is the only way to avoid other tragedies like the one we are experiencing now. I am Lisa Zingarini. Lisa G. meanwhile, tells us as the U.N. Security Council met in New York City, hundreds turned out along a First Avenue. Each person was holding a sign with a photo of someone kidnapped by Hamas militants, along with a red carnation, in hopes of pressuring diplomats at Tuesday's meeting to act quickly to get them released. This is more than just a, a humanitarian crisis. It's an attack on civilization. So far, four hostages have been released, but there are believed to be 220 others still being held by Hamas in Gaza. President Biden is urging Israel to delay a pending ground invasion to allow more time for hostage negotiations. 
Israeli military forces ramping up bombing in southern Gaza overnight. Meanwhile, as world leaders again are calling for a halt in fighting to allow aid to come to the besieged Palestinian enclave, and the U.S. and Russia are leading international calls for a pause in fighting so aid can reach Palestinian civilians. And the White House, and as I mentioned, we'll talk more about this, is emphasizing that there's no place for anti-Semitism in the U.S. This comes after Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre received backlash on Monday for her response to a question on rising anti-Semitism amid the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas on Monday. Jean-Pierre was asked about concerns over rising anti-Semitism, in which she said the administration has seen no credible threats. She went on to speak about more crimes targeting Muslims and Arab Americans. Then yesterday, she clarified, saying she misheard the question and that everyone must forcefully speak out against the targeting of Jewish people. Brian Shook tells us a House Democrat says Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib from Michigan could face censure over her Israeli-Hamas war comments once the House elects a speaker. Floridian Jared Moskowitz told Fox News that this is about not being willing to trust the Biden administration. Tlaib raised questions about last week's hospital explosion, which U.S. intelligence officials blamed on an Islamic Jihad group. Her statement called for an independent investigation, agreeing with the United Nations. The Supreme Court upholding the state's six-week abortion ban. The court releasing the ruling yesterday morning that sends challenges back to the lower courts. First passed by the state in 2019, the law prohibits abortion after six weeks, which is the time a fetal heartbeat is usually detected. The law could not go into effect until the overturning of Roe v. Wade decision, which happened last year. Enacting the law in Georgia had been put on hold by a Fulton County judge, while challengers argue the state cannot pass a law that is unconstitutional and leave it in waiting till the action is constitutional. And Louisiana Representative Mike Johnson is the new Republican nominee for the Speaker of the House. The low-ranking member of the GOP leadership team became the party's latest nominee last night after three rounds of voting behind closed doors. Johnson must now secure 217 of the 221 Republican votes on the House floor to win the Speaker's gavel. The House announcing earlier they'll reconvene on the floor this afternoon. Kevin McCarthy, meanwhile, telling reporters the party is in a very bad place as the chamber has been without a leader for three weeks, and he slammed the eight conservatives who voted to remove him from the speakership earlier this month, accusing them of siding with Democrats to paralyze the U.S. House. Federal officials investigating after two private planes collided on a runway at Hobby Airport in Houston yesterday. The Federal Aviation Administration says a twin-engine plane was departing without permission when it ran into another twin-engine Cessna that was landing. The Cessna taxied to the ramp area. No injuries reported. A ground stop was issued because of the debris on the runway. It was lifted shortly after 7 p.m. local time. The FAA and the National Transportation Safety Board are investigating. And more than 30 states are teaming up to sue Instagram and Facebook parent company Meta. They claim the tech giant is harming youth mental health with addictive features such as the feed that scrolls endlessly and too many notifications. A federal lawsuit accuses the company of contributing to a national mental health crisis. And it was California's Attorney General Rob Bonta that filed that federal lawsuit against the Facebook and Instagram parent company, alleging they designed and deployed harmful features that addict children and teens. Our investigation has found that Meta has misled its users and that it's putting our children in harm's way. There's a mountain of growing evidence that social media has a negative impact on our children. He also says the company knows exactly what harm they're causing. 
more time on social media tends to be correlated with depression, with anxiety, body image issues, susceptibility to addiction and interference with daily life, including learning. The lawsuit seeking to force changes in Facebook and Instagram that could include removing the like button, restricting the frequency of notifications, and eliminating the infinite scroll feature. And Natalie Milioli tells us frustration mounting over that migrant crisis as New York City officials warn people could soon start sleeping on the streets. How is it possible that we are still in this place? A year and a half into the migrant crisis and Deputy Mayor Ann Williams-Isom says there's still no federal decompression strategy. What more could we be doing? We opened up a legal clinic. We are having 20,000 young people in school. No families and children have been on the street. We keep on asking the state to help us with resettlement. I think they've resettled 20 families. I wish I could say I could stop at 20 families. I can't stay that. As some emergency shelters close due to fire safety concerns, Isom says the city is trying to shelter tens of thousands of migrants. Also on the East Coast at the migrant situation, Cardinal Sean O'Malley calling on Boston-area Roman Catholic parishes and members to help the families. The leader of the Archdiocese of Boston is ordering priests to be ready and willing to help migrant families that continue to arrive in the state each day. O'Malley says people need to act now before the need becomes overwhelming. The governor, Maura Healy, announcing last week the state can no longer guarantee shelter for homeless and migrant families because the shelter system is simply exhausted. Hurricane Otis had made landfall near Acapulco as a Category 5 storm. The National Hurricane Center says the center of the storm hit the coast of South Mexico shortly after midnight with sustained winds of 165 miles per hour. Otis is expected to weaken as it moves over the mountains, but forecasters do warn it could cause devastating damage along the coast, including storm surge, flooding, and mudslides as well. And the first winter storm warning of the season is posted for the Cascades, according to Brad Ford. If you're planning a trip through the mountains, Washtot wants you to be prepared. The National Weather Service forecasts 8 to 16 inches of snow above 3,000 feet with 16 to 30 inches above 5,000 feet. Drivers going over the Cascades need to have traction tires or traction devices to make it through the snow. You're also advised to carry an emergency kit that includes a blanket, food, water, gloves, and a cell phone charger in the event you get stuck. A winter weather advisory is also posted for the Olympic Mountains. More than 6% of subprime borrowers with lower credit scores and higher interest rates are more than 60 days past due on their auto loans in September. That's according to Fitch Ratings. It's the highest delinquency rate in the data in over 30 years. And the University of Michigan says computer hackers gained access to information of up to 230,000 people earlier this year. The suspects gained access to the information of students, alumni, donors, employees, and contractors between August 23rd to the 27th. Officials disconnected their network from the Internet after discovering the problem. U of M, though, has begun notifying those impacted, and they say they are working with cybersecurity experts to strengthen their system. It is a Wednesday, October 25th. Thanks so much for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you're a new listener, welcome, welcome, welcome. We have an app, both EWTN and Ave Maria Radio. For information on both networks that co-produce this program every day, check us out online. Great information, EWTN.com and, of course, AveMariaRadio.net. Praying the Rosary with the Rosary team will explain. We'll also be praying the Rosary, of course, with and for the Holy Father's in, uh, in his intentions, which include, of course, big time world peace, because we have a second day of his intentions that will be addressed on Friday, August 27th. More on that coming up. We'll be right back. 
The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. I went to Las Vegas years and years ago for one of these cable shows. And, and I was uh, shocked to see all these old ladies in their 70s and 80s getting off that plane, running for a slot machine. You don't have a chance to win. They're all fixed. I know, my uncle used to have slot machines. <laughs> EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. As we mentioned before the break, on this Friday, October 27th, the Holy Father calling for another day of prayer worldwide for peace. And, of course, that means that we will definitely be calling on the intercession of Our Lady, as we always should anyway, but especially for world peace. Someone who knows all about this is our next guest. Her name is Teresa Rodriguez with the Rosary Team. Teresa, thanks for joining us and really appreciate this effort. How did this all begin? Let's go back before we talk about joining in with the Holy Father's intentions on Friday. Let's talk about the Rosary Team. Where did this idea come from? And thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you. I'm happy to be here. A few years ago, I was seeing hospice patients at a nursing facility and noticed that there were not spiritual offerings for them. They had all these other activities, which were all wonderful, but nothing to help them spiritually on their path towards God. So I asked some ladies at my parish if they would come in and pray the rosary with the facility, and the facility said, yes, we would love it if you brought somebody in. And they started once a week, and then families that came to the rosary along with their, their parent and their family members asked for another day and another day, and it grew in that manner, ministering to the residents' spiritual needs. So how, how did it grow in terms of location? Where are you based, and have you found it going around the country or going viral? So right now we, are, we have many teams in Denver. We're in almost 100 facilities, and we've started in Ohio. We've started in Texas. And now we're getting 
emails for, from other volunteers who would like to start in their own community, and we encourage that. And what the Rosary team will do is we will pair them with a volunteer mentor to coach them, to help them start, and kind of the steps, you know, of what we found that was helpful along the way to make it easier for them to just get started and feel supported. Did you expect it to grow so far and wide? <laughs> you know, I just answer the call for two volunteers. <laughs> so that's all I anticipated. That was four wow. years ago. Yeah. Incredible. So what's the website yeah. if people want more information, first of all, before we talk about uh, some other uh, issues related to this and the, day, and the uh, prayer day on Friday? The website is therosaryteam.org, and includes the in it, therosaryteam.org. So it's not just for people who are working in these types of facilities. Can you do this anywhere, or do you want them mainly concentrating in, in, in this medical area? Right now, what we have the volunteers doing is going to these nursing facilities, you know, their memory care, their assisted living, their independent living, long-term care. There's so many... Um, facilities right around us, you know, thousands that don't have the spiritual support. So and there's so many thousands of facilities. That's where we're concentrating now because okay. we we don't see the help there that they need. And maybe we'll grow in other ways, too. But right now, this is a, a big, big growth for us. What kind of an impact, Teresa, in your work uh, in hospice care have you seen this had on the patients and on the overall staff in the facility? Because when you're praying the rosary, the rosary is very powerful, even if people don't believe or don't know about it. There's so much impact from, you know, just the simple things that we see when the volunteers go in. The residents are so happy to see them. They thank them so much after they pray the rosary and you know, visit with them for a few minutes before and after. They're so grateful. But the, there's such a deeper impact that so many people in this situation, when they have lost their physical ability to take care of themselves, they lost their home, they lose their family and friends to, you know, the death. They have so much death around them that they feel like a burden. And... Uh-huh. You know, they are not a burden, that they have such a huge capacity to pray and to pray for each other and pray for our world, and we need that desperately. So they have a huge job to do and with their prayers, and it gives a sense of meaning and, and purpose for them and for all of us. There's a beautiful endorsement from the Archbishop Aquila uh, from Denver, of course, on your on your website. I encourage you to prayerfully consider volunteering with this apostolate so that more of our brothers and sisters can experience loving presence of our Lord and the Blessed Mother is in their lives. And this is a quote, of course, that is on the Rosary Team website, and the website is therosaryteam.org. My mom was in assisted living for two years before she passed away in 2020, and although it was not a Catholic or a Christian facility, so to speak, the women running it, one was an evangelical, the other was a devout Catholic. So they made sure that they had mass, that they had prayer services, that they had a Bible study. 
And I can tell just from that the difference that made, not only for my mom, but for the residents, but also for just the overall, I don't know, and you probably recognize this, just the overall feel of the place when you walked in, there's a piece about it. There is, and also because the volunteers and the residents, we're praying for the residents in the facility, we're praying for the staff, you know, the caregivers, they have a really hard job, and our, our prayers really go directly to them, and I heard you say that your mom, Rosie, said to show up mm-hmm. and be there for someone, and I yep. love that, because that is exactly what these volunteers are doing, you know, once a week for 45 minutes, it's not that long, they have it on their schedule, and they go in, and, and they're just there with somebody you know, praying with them to, you know, help the focus stay on, you know, why are we here? You know, we're here to grow in love with God and, and grow in love with others for our path towards God, for our path towards heaven, for our eternity, and to bring others with us. Now, Teresa, when you bring the volunteers to these various facilities, whether it be in your area in Colorado or elsewhere around the country, do you want them to be available to lead it once a week, uh, two days a week. How, how many days do you recommend? For each volunteer, we typically ask one one hour a week at a facility near them. You know, when we are in a nursing facility for like three days a week, sometimes we we have six volunteers so that they each only go in one day a week. I would imagine, and, I, and you feel this, I know that reading up on, on the background on, on the organization and, and your own uh, you know, encouragement that you've received, that when they're done doing this, although they're giving, they're getting just as much, if not more, in return. It's amazing. You know, I, at first, when I started this, I thought, oh, we're just helping the residents. And what I didn't understand at the time is how much joy we would receive in return helping them. It gets us out of our rut and dwelling on our own problems. Amen. More with Teresa Rodriguez, the founder and president of the Rosary Team, a beautiful ministry, therosaryteam.org. She's a practicing hospice nurse, and she decided, you know what, we need more God in these places, and that's what she's doing. And we'll talk about the day of prayer on Friday. We'll be right back. 60 on 10 with Monsignor Charles Pope. The Sixth Commandment. You shall not commit adultery. This commandment is wide-ranging in its implications. It forbids us uh, not only from committing the very act of adultery, but also other sexual sins such as fornication or premarital sex, watching pornography and speaking lewdly. Likewise, homosexual acts and acts of masturbation are also forbidden us. And the Lord himself even enjoins us to a purity of mind that we should not freely entertain uh, lustful thoughts. And so it's wide-ranging, it's challenging, but it's in service of the great sacredness of human life which comes from sexual activity. So we thank God for this great gift of sexuality and we ask for His grace to live it with great reverence. The Sixth Commandment, you shall not commit adultery. For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com. 
Where are servants of prayer? The Christian family is the first place of education in prayer, says the Catholic Catechism. The family is the domestic church where children learn to pray and to persevere in prayer. Ordained ministers are also responsible for forming their brothers and sisters in prayer. Many in the religious life have consecrated their whole lives to prayer. The consecrated life is sustained by prayer and is one of the living sources of contemplation and spiritual life of the church. Catechesis aims to teach all members of the church to meditate on the Word of God in personal and liturgical prayer, internalizing it in order to bear fruit in a new life. Prayer groups and spiritual direction can also be powerful tools in the practice of prayer. A spiritual director should be chosen with great care, for as St. John of the Cross warns, as the Master is, so will the disciple be. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. As Rosie always said, listen to your mother, and the Blessed Mother is watching you. There's actually two chapters in my book about Rosie Posey. Everything's coming up, Rosie. We're talking about... The Rosary, the Rosary Team, more specifically, the rosaryteam.org with the foundress, Teresa Rodriguez, based in Colorado, now in over 100 facilities, praying with the elderly and seniors, praying the Rosary with them at least once, uh, if not more, a week. So, Teresa, I know that you're trying to get folks uh, within your team to join in for the Day of Prayer and Fasting this Friday, correct? Correct. We sent out a call to action to all of our volunteers to fulfill the Pope's request to pray and fast this Friday for peace in the Holy Land. And we are, we are um, wanting them to, if, if they can't go into a facility of residence, to pray with their family or their friends. And even if they can't do a whole rosary, you know, maybe in Our Father Hail Mary or even a decade, to pray for this request. That's beautiful. And I also think, and you know this as a nurse, I mean, I don't have a medical background, but again, just from my own personal experience, when you, when you give someone something to do, let's say, as you said earlier, they may feel when they're in that situation at the end of their life, or maybe that they don't have that much longer, they may feel, gosh, I don't have any purpose, I don't have any meaning, what can I do? But prayer is huge. That is something big that all of us can do, regardless of where we are. It's so true. And we have so many people who, who might not be able to physically do what they used to do in their life, but, you know, they they can pray, and they can pray for the world and, and the needs of all of us and the, pray for the souls in purgatory to help us on our path towards heaven, to help us get there. And it, it's valuable, it's gold, you know, to say our prayers and to know that we're here for a short time on this earth, in our real home, is heaven. Amen. So in terms of your interest in the rosary, how did that begin? My mom planted the seeds oh, for the mm. rosary team. I can barely talk about her. She passed away about a year ago. Mm. And she had such a huge devotion to our Blessed Mother. And every evening, she would gather our family, my dad, you know, there were five kids and, you know, she would have to drag us to pray the rosary. You know, we were immersed in whatever else we were doing that wasn't as important, I'm sure. 
And we prayed a rosary every night. I am amazed that she could get us all there every night. And I would just feel so much peace after after we prayed. And she just loved our Blessed Mother, and she made a commitment at a young age to pray the rosary every day. And it's because of her that this has grown and that this was even started. I wouldn't have even thought about it if it wasn't for her and the way I, you know, the way I was raised. And, you know, we can all help help support each other, you know, through their spiritual journey, just like she mm-hmm. did for us as we were growing up as kids. We, we can all help each other no matter what age we are in our lives. Well, if you think about the way your mom was, was so dedicated to the rosary and the, and the impact it had on your family, and now to the point where you're doing this and how many people you're impacting, I think you know that that's real encouragement for parents whose kids is, may not be interested, but then they go ahead and they follow along because their parents want to do it. But then it sinks in, right? When we get older and we realize that our moms were right. So, but what clicked for you at the point? Because I'm sure you know, as a teen, you're busy. We're all we're kids. We're growing up. We don't pay attention. We roll our eyes like I did so often at my mother. And then I ended up writing a book about what she taught me. <laughs> she must be laughing at me all the time. I could just hear it. But what was it that clicked for you that that got you more interested in the rosary? Oh, gosh, I really have to be honest and say, oh, I just wanted favors from God, you know? I'm like, oh, I have to pray so I could, you know, get what I want, right? Like, I mean, it was like that simple, and that's how it started for me in my 20s, you know? And I thought, oh, you know, there's so much more than that, but in the beginning, sometimes there isn't. You know, you have to start where you are, you know, just like we have to minister to people where they are. You know, maybe it's one Hail Mary, you know, that they can pray. But so that's how I started. And, you know, everything, you know, it builds on each other. You know, our, our faith journey is, boy, it doesn't seem very fast sometimes or, or direct. And we get these, like, yearnings in our hearts. You know, I just had this yearning, you know, especially in my 20s. You know, because my mom wasn't there anymore, you know, helping Mm -hmm. me pray, right? So, you know, you get in your 20s and, oh, you have to do it on your own. You have to go to Mass on your own and you need to pray on your own. And That's just a huge change to have that desire and to actually make that desire into action. And so I, you know, started slow, I think, you know, slower than I wanted. And, you know, just so I just had this urge on my heart that I needed to pray, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, where do I start? You know, like, that seems so hard, you know, but it's not. We can just say one Hail Mary in the beginning, you know, one mm-hmm. Our Father, and, and you know, really the, you know, I had a professor tell us once to just, we need to just show up with God and be honest. That's yep. our goal in our prayer life, to show up and be honest. We just you know, tell God, have a conversation with him, what's on our hearts, and that is prayer. You know, that's our conversation, and that is how our prayer life grows. Absolutely. Now, in terms of getting into these different facilities, how difficult is it? How long does it take, or does it depend? It depends on the facility. You know, sometimes when we call, we get a yes right away, and that is wonderful. We can get started in the next week. And then sometimes, you know, it takes us weeks 
or a few months, we make calls, we send an email, and we eventually hear back. And sometimes we have to wait for a staff change, for the staff member to who is saying no to the rosary, for a new staff member to come along and say yes. And that can take up to a year or up to two years. We just got into a facility yesterday that we tried for two years, and then they said yes, and then they said yes to two days a week for the rosary. So it really depends. So I would encourage people, you know, don't give up just because you didn't hear back with one phone call or one email. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone Mm -hmm. is so busy at the facility. They're working so hard taking care of the residents. Yeah. So if people want more information, the best place to go is to your main page at therosaryteam.org? Yes. And then if they want to volunteer, and even if they want to volunteer wherever they are, because there's facilities, thousands of facilities all over, they can just go to the volunteer um, button and it will direct them to us. They fill out just a couple questions about, you know, what area of town they live in, and we can, you know, assign them a volunteer mentor to help them find a, a facility and get started with a team near them. And, you know, just to start with a team of two people, you know, they can ask a friend. Well, I think this is wonderful. I really commend you for doing this. God bless you, and I hope that it continues to grow, and and hopefully this interview will help with that. TheRosaryTeam.org. Teresa Rodriguez is a foundress, and again, it's a beautiful website. All the information is there, and you can join in also on their efforts for the prayer intentions of the Holy Father this Friday. TheRosaryTeam.org. We'll be right back, and we head to Rome, as we always do, with our very own Joan Lewis, as in Jones, Rome. We return on a Wednesday morning edition of Catholic Connection, right here on EWTN. We'll be right back. Father Benedict Groeschel. Oh, I love reverence. Wherever I go in the world, I usually go to visit the religious buildings. And no matter what I see, I see reverence. Or I've been in temples and mosques where I saw more reverence and awe of God than I see in Christian churches, even sometimes in Catholic churches. Oh, yes, let me say it. When I was a boy, Catholics were much more reverent and respectful in church. You never, ever spoke in church. I was a young priest. A man had a heart attack at the beginning of Mass. I stopped the Mass. We prayed for the man while the police were coming, the ambulance. They removed him from the church. He didn't die. Not one word was spoken. The police officers and the ambulance attendants who came whispered, respect. I wish it were true today. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Those who deny the full humanity of the preborn will be toying with the sentiments of pro-life people. They will say, you can't really believe in the humanity of the unborn unless you support this or that piece of legislation. The pro-life position is quite different. We might well believe that we need to improve social conditions, but first of all, we believe that the pre-born are a good to be protected, even if born into poverty, even if born into unstable, violent homes. We want to eliminate those terrible conditions, but it is the height of arrogance to tell human beings like unborn children who cannot communicate or reason or stand up for themselves that they are better off dead because we know from our own experience that we would choose life and survival over death no matter how poor our social environment. Cresta in the Afternoon 
weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Nine minutes past the hour. Welcome back. It's Catholic Connection. It's a Wednesday, which means we go to Rome with our very own beautiful Joan Lewis, who I had the opportunity to see over the weekend. Thank you so much, Joan. I know you're so busy, but it couldn't have meant more to the ladies. They were just thrilled to meet you in person and to see you. I hope you had a good time. Well, I'm so glad you started with that because I didn't want to get into any other news. The most important being a shout out to all the women of wine <laughs> of the pilgrimage who were in Rome, and I attended the the Last Supper, if you will, and um, just the enthusiasm, the beauty of the, these women, and their souls and their hearts is just so so touching. And uh, the only, I was just at the end of the evening, having spoken to so many who knew me or I had met them on previous pilgrimages, and then at the end of the dinner. Um, I just became so jealous of the pilgrimage itself that had preceded the dinner. You know, Mm -hmm. why wasn't I with everyone uh, every day to see the sights and pray together and break bread and and share life's experiences and our faith? So, um, but not to mention (laughs) at the final dinner, uh, having two of the most amazing waiters probably in any weren't they adorable? They were they were out of central casting, were they not? Exactly, beautiful, beautifully said. Because in a the musical interlude, they were right out there, knew all the songs, and had a few you know movements to go with the song. So uh, it was just like being on on the Italian version of Broadway for a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Well, so, we we're so glad you could join yeah. us, and hopefully you'll be able to join us uh, for our La Dolce Fide coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. Okay, so now we have to go to the business sure. at hand. First, let's talk about the uh, the audience today, the Holy Father, again, talking about more prayer, October 27th, this Friday, another day of prayer right. of fasting for peace, correct? Yes, there will be a, a big prayer event in St. Peter's Basilica at 6 o'clock on, on the 27th, and uh, which is Friday. And, um, you know, the Holy Father, as he has done, as he did, well, how many weeks now, 88 weeks or something, for Ukraine and Russia asking for prayers ever since October 7th with the Israeli-Palestine situation the Holy Father has in the general audience and on Sundays, of course, ask for ask for prayers. Just as I have to say today, listening to him when uh, when he was at the end of the audience made this plea, his voice was so it was very soft, and, and Teresa, I couldn't quite tell. I tried to read emotions into it. I wasn't sure mm-hmm. what it was, but he just seemed like undone. The only word I can think of, um, having to make this appeal, you know, to release the Israeli hostages, to let humanitarian aid get into in, into Gaza and so forth. And um, but he just seemed uh, undone, so saddened by this. And you, you could hear the Pope's mind saying, even as he was preparing these words, what can I say? What words can I use to make people stop, you know, what they're doing? Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, prayer, we can never underestimate the power of prayer, even though quite often we don't see what we feel should be the results of our prayer. But, you know, so far, whether it's prayer or what it is, four hostages have been released, you know, 
an American mother and her daughter, and then um, two Israeli women released, I think it was two days ago. Right. So did prayer, did anybody's prayers have anything to do with that? Let's leave that in God's hands, and let's hope that the prayers work. So mm-hmm. we do mm-hmm. have to pray. So the Synod, the Synod continues, and uh, there was a comment, I'm trying to remember where I, where I read it. It was either on the register or another one of our sources, and they said most of the, th- the one big thing everybody agrees on is that they're really tired. I thought that was kind of cute. Oh, yeah, right. They must be. I can oh. only imagine, right? The most smiling faces at Fiumicino Airport in coming days will be, <laughs> will have been people who attended the Synod on. Well, I mean, that's a long time, my dear. Right. You know, you're, you're there six days a week, basically. Uh, Tuesday of this week was kind of a vacation day. Um, but w- working in morning sessions, four hours, working in afternoon sessions. And in between, a lot of these people, like um, Archbishop Broglio, who heads the military ordinariate in the U.S., he was one of the guests at the press briefing that ended about 15 minutes ago. And, and he said, you know, these are... Oh, he was asked some question about media coverage of the Synod, and the Synod fathers today, a cardinal and, and two bishops, all said they just didn't have time to see all of the coverage. They know a few things that the media has said about the Synod. But like Archbishop Brolio says, and especially given the time difference, um, you know, he still has to run the archdiocese for the military. So questions that may come up in his office, uh, situations that he would handle if he was there, he still has to do that. And that would be true of any bishop. That would be true of any, uh, you know, representative of an, of an organization. But I have to say I do want to write um, the archbishop in, in the press conference today. Um, one of the questions that came up from the pillar was, um, you know, we've heard about what's being said and not said and, Etc. in the Synod, but um, let's see, there was a bishop, there were two women, there was Cardinal Prevost and, and Archbishop Broglio, so an African, two representatives from Africa. Anyway, all five of them uh, answered the questions, but Broglio specifically was asked, um, answered the question, what is, is not working in, in the Synod? And I thought it was fascinating. He was the first person to bring this up. You and I both know only in America alone, all of the input from parishes, et cetera, in, in the pre- previous two years, all the different meetings that were held, in America was only 1% of Catholics participated at the parish level in the, uh, and or diocesan in the Senate. And it's low single dis- digits for the rest of the world. And he brought up the fact that it was only 1%, and he said, we have to do something, the entire church, to get out there and let more people know about a synod. And, and Teresa, I would challenge you, this Sunday, I think I'd, I'd love to go up to everybody at St. Patrick's, my parish in Rome, Rome, hello, where the synod is, and say, so what do you mm-hmm. think about the news of the synod? I would love to see how many say, say to me, what synod? You know, and then hmm. even if they know what it's on. So he brought up the small amount of participation, which suggests to me, when you hear somebody speaking for other people in the Synod, in reality, they are speaking for those who had input in the Synod, ergo, a very small number of people. And so I was glad he brought up that percentage. I haven't heard anybody else talk about it, and it's been in the front of my mind. Number two... He said one thing that we really would have to look at. And remember, the 
same people that are in Rome today, they will be here next October for the absolute closing mm-hmm. part of the Synod on Synodality. But he said, as far as uh, Archbishop Broglio, as far as he knows, there were no parish priests present. That blew my mind. Yeah, that's very surprising. And theologians and the head of this institute and that institute. Well, what about the parishes? This is the first level of examination that began in 2021. It was at the parish. And um, so I thought that was uh, excellent that he brought up those those two uh, those two points and um, and then he was asked by the reporter he uh, yes I think they aimed specifically at him the question um, the re- reporter National Catholic reporters person asked about you know the groups that have expressed dissatisfaction with acceptance into the church and women want a greater role and and are you working on creating a greater role actually Cardinal Prevost did, did also answer that, too, but he was very firm in stating that greater roles for, for women, been working on that for some time, but if you're talking about ordination, we already know the Church's teaching on that, on women being ordained to the priesthood. He said, of course, there's a group out there studying should they be ordained to the diaconate. But when it was Archbishop Broglio's turn, and um, I guess I should have said at the beginning that Archbishop Timothy Broglio was one of five delegates named by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops to attend the Synod. The Pope had named people from different countries, uh, and then the Episcopal Conference also named delegate. But um, Archbishop Broglio was brilliant. He said, you know, the first thing we, any of us have to do who was educated in the Catholic school, he said, is look at the nuns. The army of nuns that taught us for mm-hmm. so many years, that still teach in the schools. He says they were the ones who, who you know, uh, instilled the faith in us, prepared us for First Communion. And he said in many, many instances, the seed for a vocation, like my vocation, came from the nuns. So let me tell you the, that there is no way that they should ever be underestimated as having had for a long, long time a huge role and influence in the Catholic Church. So that was a good input. Well, too, I, I but, think, though, um, too, there was a really good um, there was a really good article, or was it Matthew Bunsen who told me this when I, we had uh, Pranzo the other day in Rome, that, that, there's so, that there's so much emphasis on this, right, on, on thinking that women can be priests, which is not going to happen, or, or deacons or whatever. And, and not enough emphasis placed on other core problems of the church. And not everybody's walking around worried about whether women could ever be priests, which, again, is not going to happen. But there seems to be that, that push, that constant push, and that's a story they want out there. I think some of the media think if they put it out there enough, then the church is going to say, oh, gee, we didn't think about this. Oh, gee, thanks, you know, New York Times or Washington Post or whomever. We'll change our minds right away on that. Well, I, I told a prelate that I had for dinner the other night with some of his priests and seminarians in Rome, and also mentioned it um, to a man I've known for 30 years, Cardinal Dolan. I said, you know what, people have to realize, and I said, I've got to put this in, in capital letters in bold on my blog, is that there are, uh, there's the media out there, there's society, there's the social media that wants us, the Catholic Church, they want to create us, recreate us in their image and likeness. Exactly. Whereas it's our job to help create them 
in Jesus' image and likeness. Mm -hmm. We are created in his image and likeness. And what is missionary work? It's bringing Jesus to others. It's letting them know that we all have to be just like Jesus. If we're created in his image and likeness, we have to believe, do, and act um, exactly as he did. So um, how to get the that kind of influence off our backs, I don't know. We're surrounded by it. But I think right. people just, if they can find peace, Teresa, if they know themselves, they know the Church, they know the teaching of the Church, and then forget people who simply want to recreate us, media or social media, whoever they are, uh, in their image and likeness. So yep. we got to pray. Yep. The Synod ends, obviously, this week. We were, we were to have had this afternoon at 4 o'clock, Rome time, the letter to the people of God, but there were some changes mainly just in translations, uh, I understand, that had to be made. And it sounds like that letter will not be coming out um, today. But the next few days we will have that letter. We will also have uh, some kind of a document that will be voted on by members, by voting members of the Synod. And then that document will be the working document, if you want to put it that way, for the 12 months that separate us from October 12, 20, uh, 2024, and the actual end of the Synod. But um, I just have a good feeling that what's going to, even a year from now, what's going to come out is a reaffirmation of Church teaching on important issues and a, a, a way of looking at how to better welcome or, or receive or not reject people who have problems with the Church whether it can be same-sex attraction, whether it can be divorced and remarried people, because, of course, the Church mm -hmm. doesn't recognize divorce. So there will be many ways in, in which the people who do put this final document together for next year, I mean, listen, put together the schedule for the work next year and put together the proposals from this year. It'll be um, fascinating to see what comes out of the document, uh, excuse me, the Senate, and I think we... We are supposed to have that by Saturday. And then, of course, mm. the, the final Mass is, is Sunday, which most of us are not going to believe it, you know. We're, we're just going to be the Pavlovian dog response. We're going to be ready for synod work on Monday. <laughs> yeah, there you so, go. Well, I can't wait to hear the follow-up next week because there's going to be a lot to talk about once the uh, oh, uh, it yeah. wraps up and, and, sure. and everything comes out. Joan, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Get some rest. You deserve it. And we'll talk again next week with more information on the synod as it wraps up this weekend. We'll be right back on a Wednesday. Let you know what's coming up on a Thursday morning edition of Catholic Connection. Stay tuned. This program is brought to you by the following nonprofit underwriter. Finding health care for yourself and your family can be isolating and confusing. That's why the Catholic Health Alternative, CMF Curo, is offering Christ-centered health sharing for individuals and families, along with new wellness services to help heal and restore your whole person, spirit, mind, and body. Visit cmfcuro.com to find out more. That's cmfcuro.com, where you can experience Christ's healing love in your health and wellness. Can your messy house lead to anxiety? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong.
St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians states that God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. If you walk in the door at home and you are greeted by clutter, peace may be hard to find. A messy house can lead to cognitive overload. While we're trying to concentrate on one thing, clutter can distract. According to research, women may be more affected by this type of anxiety. Societal roles and expectations can enhance the stress. To be fair, other underlying mental health disorders can lead to more clutter. Depression, hoarding, and OCD, just to name a few. However, clutter can sometimes lead to more creativity. Bottom line, don't let a messy house define you as a good or bad person. Take baby steps to negotiate with those responsible for messes to make change or hire a cleaning person. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on clutter at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Appreciate your listenership here at the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Tomorrow, the one, the only, Father Mitch Pacwa from EWTN Radio and TV. He will be there for our cultural connections, which we do every Thursday with him. And then we're also going to get an update on the beautiful movie about Mother Teresa. We'll have breaking news on that, so make sure you tune in. Adamani, talk to you on a Thursday. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.